Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Nobody gets through life without getting banged around a little bit. Every now and again, some untoward word, some rebellious situation, some difficult and painful relationship. Everybody gets hurt in life. The issue is, how do we deal with it and how do we get well from it? Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. We're beginning a new series that's going to continue for the next few weeks about emotional healing, healing of those damaged emotions that are just uh, the result of the cuts and bruises of life. A lot of it's going to be based on my best-selling book, Courage to Be Healed. And uh, at the end of the broadcast today, at the end of this podcast, uh, someone will tell you how you can get a special deal on getting this book. I want you to have it. I want your friends and, and loved ones to have it. Uh, this book has had a tremendous reception, and now I want you to receive it. Now, what is the point of courage to be healed? Why courage to be healed in the church world and beyond, frankly? When we think about healing, we tend to think immediately of physical healing. I believe in physical healing. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself. But that's not what I'm going to be talking about in this series, and it's not what I talk about in the book. In the book, I want to talk about healing of damaged emotions, the healing of those inner wounds that can flow out into the physical self. You drop a monkey wrench down into the complicated emotional machinery of the human being, uh, it can really foul the works up, and that can flow out into the physical self. So the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional are intimately connected inside, and that monkey wrench can just mess the works up. But in this series, I particularly want to deal with emotional healing. I want to talk about some counseling cases, how people found or why they found the emotional healing to get past those things that had happened to them, and then in a couple of cases, why people weren't able to do it. And what is the number one variable? I believe the number one variable is not faith, not an emotional healing. I believe the number one variable is courage, because it takes courage to face what's really wrong. We always want to blame everything on our in-laws or the Democrats or the Republicans or somebody else. But to look in the mirror and say, I am the deal here. I'm the one that needs to be dealt with. I was in my office one time and my counseling office at Mount Perrin Church of God many years ago. And a lady who was not connected to the church, she just came for counseling, was part of the Psychological Studies Institute. She showed up for counseling, and uh, when she came in my office, I'd never seen her before, she didn't know me, she was so angry she could hardly talk. I'll never forget it. She said, I guess you want to know why I'm here. I said, well, yes, ma'am, that's a pretty good place to start. Why are you here? She said, I'll tell you why I'm here. Men are why I'm here. She said, men are just pigs. They're swine. She went on and on, and finally she revealed to me that she had just experienced 
her fifth divorce. She had now been divorced five times. In the fifth one, the ink was hardly dry on the divorce decree. And she said all five of the men were alcoholics, just absolute alcoholics. She said, I hate men. They're just swine. It didn't seem to dawn on her that the consistent reality in all five stories was her. I, I, I think that it, it wouldn't have occurred to her that she was a critical issue in the story. Many people do that. In counseling cases all the time, I find people want to blame everybody else, but they very seldom want to look at who they are. Look, you have a broken relationship with someone. You cannot change that other person. You cannot fix them. You can't heal them. And there's going to be very little way in which you can even heal the brokenness. What you can do is do what it takes to let God heal who you are. How much of the brokenness in that relationship happened in you? How much of that brokenness that's going on around you are you the consistent, in all of the variables, are you the consistent reality? But what's that take? That takes courage. Let me tell you about a story from the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the great healer. At one account, Jesus is teaching in a room filled with the religious elite of the nation, scribes, Pharisees, doctors of the law. It is the most clearly described audience of any of Jesus' teaching moments. Usually it just says a multitude or uh, the crowd, but this time it describes exactly who's in the room. It says scribes, Pharisees, and doctors of the law. So the building where he's teaching is packed. No one else can even get in. But knowing that Jesus is in the room and being cognizant of his reputation as a healer, four men bring their friend who is totally bedfast. He is unable to move in any way. They put him on some kind of a blanket, if you will. They drag him up the steps onto the roof of the building where Jesus is teaching. They move the tiling out of the way. They open up a hole in the roof. They tie ropes around the four corners of the blanket, and they lower him right into the middle of the room in the presence of Jesus in the midst of that multitude, right while Jesus is teaching and talking, they lower him in. Now, I've heard many sermons, teachings. I've taught on it many times myself, and usually there are two uh, principles that are lifted up. One is the healing power of Jesus, and that must be there. We have to remember that Jesus had the power to heal. Without him in the story, there is no healing. The second principle that's usually lifted up is the faith of the four friends, that they had the faith to take their friend up on the roof, they had the faith to lure him into the presence of Jesus, and they had the faith to believe that Jesus would heal him. Both of those are good themes. They're both true. But for years, it eluded me that there is a different, other, and in fact, extremely important motif. And that is the courage of the man on the bed. Look, this was a high-risk operation. This man can't walk. He can't move. He can't protect himself. He's going to let four people drag him up the stairs onto the roof of a building. 
Then they're going to tie ropes around the four corners of his blanket and lower him down from the roof into the building. What if they dropped him? It, it just never occurred to me. It was a high-risk operation. Furthermore, what if they lower him into the room? We know how the story came out. Jesus did heal him, but they didn't know, and the man on the bed didn't know. What if they lower him into the room, and Jesus says, I'm in the middle of my message. I'm teaching here. Get, get that thing out of here. It's just another rejection. What if the people in the room, remember, these are all doctors of the law of first century Judaism. They, they believed by and large that anyone who was afflicted in some way, that God had afflicted them and God had done it because they deserved it. So in general, the people in the room would have been judging him in his affliction the minute he's lowered into the room. So he's running that risk, the risk of rejection, the risk of failure, the risk of physical damage. I don't know why it never occurred to me all those years. They could have dropped him. So at some point, those men tied the ropes around the four corners of that bed, and they looked at their friend and said, okay, are you ready? At that moment, their faith is not the variable. At that moment, his courage is the variable. He may not have even had faith for his own healing, but he had to have the courage to enter the process, to get into it, to go through the possibility of exposure and of rejection. So I believe that that is a perfect picture of us when we come to the moment where we look in the mirror and say, okay, I can't fix my mother-in-law, but I've got to get help. Me, I have to get help. And then we have to have the courage. We have the courage to face the reality. Then we have the courage to get into the process to find a professional, to enter into counseling, to enter into a deeply searching the heart of God. Lord, what is wrong with me? How did I become this angry, bitter, unforgiving, damaged person? What happened to me and how do I get healed? How do I go through that process? That, that is exactly what this book is about. And it's about people who went through the process. I'm going to tell you in the book very painful and difficult stories, real stories about people who were damaged profoundly by life, but finally found the courage to say, I'm getting into the process, whatever it takes, I'm getting into the process to get healed. Now, let me ask you a question. As we bring today's podcast to a conclusion, listen to this. What about you? It's as simple as that. What about you? Is there anything in your life, relationships? Have you come to that point where you say, I have to get some help on this? I have to overcome this fear, this depression, this anxiety, this uh, unbelief, this judgmentalism, whatever it is. I don't want to be this person anymore, but I can't just make my mind up and decide not to be that person. What I can do is find the courage to say, when I look in the mirror, I don't see the person I want to be, and I don't see the person that God wants me to be. And I'm going to find a place, a way to enter into the process of inner healing. I hope that this whole series of podcasts 
will do two things. One is I hope it will show you some keys to healing of emotional damage. But I also hope that it will show you that those who seek help are not the weak. They're the courageous. That those people who do the, the work of inner healing, counselors and, and healers in the hands of God, that they are not contrary to the Scripture, that they are people who are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and the light of Scripture, and that when the presence of Christ, the presence of a, of a trained and anointed healer, and the presence of a courageous person who says, I must get healed. When those three come together, just like the man on the rooftop, lowered into the presence of Jesus, it may be a process, it may be slower than they want, but at some point, they rise up and begin to walk. God bless you, and may God bring you into a year of great, great healing. This is Mark Rutland. Thank you for joining me for The Leader's Notebook. To order a copy of Courage to be Healed for yourself or someone you love, please visit the store at drmarkrutland.com. Enter the promo code COURAGE for 30% off. To order by the case, please call us at 888-823-8772. Thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook.